Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Management Decisions, a show where we bring in high-level executives and consultants from a wide collection of businesses to discuss what goes on at the top of the food chain. And today, we are talking about how to build trust as a leader. And as you can imagine, trust is a huge part of the foundation for successful leaders. And joining the show today, we have Sandra Tibbs. She is a leadership consultant, speaker, and executive coach. So Sandra, can you kind of tell us why you believe it's important for leaders to have the trust of their employees and colleagues to really be an effective leader? Well, every healthy relationship is based on trust. And a relationship between a leader and his or her employees is no different. Mm-hmm. So when you hear a lot of leadership scholars out there, they agree that trust is imperative to leadership effectiveness. And it's especially important now in the 21st century because leadership is, is shifting. Back in the day, we were used to having such a directive type of leadership. And now we are moving more towards a collective and shared leadership. What do you mean by collective and shared leadership? Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So people are looking now at leaders being more of asking them what to share the leadership role, to be able to um, ask for their opinions and bring that into the decision-making, to be empowered and influenced by their leaders. Not so much as it it used to be where people used to tell you what to do and then you did it. Right, right. So what are kind of the repercussions of an environment where the employees don't trust the leadership? What kind of happens when that's going on? There are so many of them, but One of the ones that I want to talk about is the rapid changes that we're experiencing today. Mm -hmm. It requires leaders to be able to get the buy-in from their employees Mm -hmm. so that changes can happen, not just at the top, but that they can be implemented throughout the organization. And that requires trust. So when you don't have the trust of your employees, that change you're trying to, to make happen is not going to happen the way that you have envisioned if you don't have that trust. For example, at one of my for example, at one of my workshops, I had a lot of members from big company that their main thing is that they they're changing constantly. And as a matter of fact, there's so much change that I asked one of the people there, uh, I said, "Well, how is it that how do you guys deal with all this change?" And he said to me, "We we just do it because we trust our CEO." So, trust for them was so important to be able to follow through with the change throughout the organization. Right. And I imagine if they didn't have that trust of, you know, everyone in the organization in that CEO, that the change wouldn't be as smooth and there'd be a lot of questions and, you know, maybe things might get done, but it might take a little bit longer because it's not clear what everyone wants, that kind of thing. I'm glad that you shared that example because that kind of shows what trust looks like in an effective way in an environment that is really working and driving together. So what can you do if you feel that one or some of your direct reports don't really trust you? How can you, you know, feel that out and figure out what the core issue is there and how do you address it? I would say that we want to look at three things. First, mm-hmm. we want to look at ourselves as leaders and say, okay, am I doing something that is making my employees not trust me? And the main question there is, are my words matching my actions? And if they're not, then that might be one of the reasons why people are not trusting you. Could you give us an example of, you know, um, when you're saying one thing, but you're doing another thing as a manager? For example, if you're saying that you believe in in being fair, but then when you are promoting people, you're promoting people not based on their, their abilities, but maybe on 
the relationship you have with that person. Your actions are not matching your words. Right. And I imagine that could cause some discontent within your team and your workplace. So thanks for sharing. That's a great example. So we've talked about looking at yourself as a leader and looking at your actions versus what you're saying. So what was the second point that you wanted to touch on? And then I was going to say, you also want to look at the individual Mm -hmm. that you're working with. Because a lot of times, you know, if we do everything we're supposed to do as leaders and people still don't trust us, it might not be about us. It might be about them. All of us have a specific... We, we all come with different ideas and beliefs. And so there are some people out there that do not trust people. And so you have to kind of look at that too and, and see, is this employee someone who doesn't easily trust others? And then you have to think about what can I do then to gain this person's trust and know that it's going to take some time and some work from your part to gain that person's trust. The other thing that I wanted to mention was that Also, you got to look at who was in that role before you. When I was uh, in charge of a division of about 200 people, when I came in as a brand new um, leader for that division, I noticed that people were really not trusting leadership in general. You know, I investigated what was happening, what was going on. And what I heard was that they didn't trust leadership because of who was leading that division before me. So knowing that was like, okay. I know I'm going to have to work on this and I'm going to have to gain their trust, which is going to take a long time compared to if the leadership before me would have been better and they would already have trust in leadership. So then you just have to have more patience and just know that if you do what you're supposed to do and you, your words match your actions, you eventually will gain their trust. All right. So speaking of kind of uh, having your words match your actions, that kind of comes down to being authentic. So can you expound upon, you know, how you can be authentic and what that really does for your relationships with your direct reports and your employees? Sure. So really authenticity, in order for you to be authentic, you have to be very Mm self-aware. You have to know who you are, what your values are, where you stand, where you're willing to compromise and where you're not willing to compromise. Because as a leader, you're going to have to compromise on some things. But there are things that you should know, okay, I'm not going to compromise on this. And you need to let your values guide every decision that you make. When you do this, then people know where you stand, and then they know what to expect. There's no surprises. And that builds trust with the people around you. All right. So it kind of sounds like first you have to be self-aware of yourself, what your values are, and what your expectations are. But then I imagine you have to communicate your expectations to your employees. So How would you kind of go about, you know, developing those expectations, which, you know, considering what's right for each individual and their roles? Would you just have kind of like a one-on-one meeting with each individual or like a group meeting? Or how do you kind of communicate that? You can do both, um, depending on um, what you decide to do. But some things could be just have a big meeting. And especially when you first come into a new position, you can have a brand new meeting and kind of let them know a little bit about you. What are some of your values, what you expect of them in general, of the department or the division or things like that? And that could be your, you know, your start. And then you want to have a one-on-one with each person. And then that is direct report with you. And then just let them know, ask them about them, them, what are some of their their pet peeves, things like that. And then let them know what your expectations are for for them. How would you recommend going about really enforcing those expectations? Because it's one thing to say, these are my expectations and lay them out on the table. But then when you see people not really 
meeting those expectations, how do you kind of enforce those by still being authentic and not wanting to damage the relationships that you're working on building? Mm-hmm. That's one of the difficult parts about being a leader. <laughs> that <laughs> That's it. Not, not fun, right? You have to call people out when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's not what you say, but how you say it that makes the difference. So it's about bringing them back in and just letting them know, you know, about the expectations and how they're not meeting them. And it doesn't have to be a formal thing. Sometimes you can just address it in the moment in a non-casual way. The important thing here is to not let it build into a huge thing, but then it's that's when their relationships get damaged. A lot of times as leaders, sometimes we make the mistake of waiting. We don't want, we don't want conflict. We don't want to over... We don't want to exaggerate, and so we wait, and we wait, and we wait until things get way too big, and it's too late. Uh, There's a book called Hostage at the Table, and the author talks about the fish under the table. What happens when you put a fish under the table and you leave it there? It starts smelling, right? Right. And at some point, you're going to have to address that there's a fish under the table, and you're going to have to take it out. The same happens with conflict. If you leave it under the table, pretending it's not there. It's just going to get bigger and you're going to have to address it at some point or another. Right. And at some point, it's not going to be fun taking that fish out from under the table when it's been there for quite some time. Yes, exactly. So I imagine that transparency kind of plays a large role in being an authentic leader and really building that trust. So could you dive into that a little bit more and kind of talk about that? Sure. So transparency is very important. Again, because people know what to expect from you. Now, it's not easy. You can't be transparent on everything. There are things that you cannot say. For example, when there are mergers going on, legally, you cannot discuss some of the things happening. But the people under you, your employees, they don't know what's going on. And uncertainty really makes people uh, feel threatened Mm -hmm. because they don't know if that's going to affect their jobs, if they're going to lose their jobs, if they're going to have to change. So the best thing that you can do is be as transparent as you can. Whatever information you can share with them, let them know. And if there is something you cannot share, a simple sentence that says, you know, hey, I I know you guys want to know about this. I cannot legally disclose anything, but as soon as I can, or the, the little that I can, I will let you guys know about it. Then at least people know, okay, my leader is looking out for me. He or she wants to share with me. They just can't. Right. I think that's a really good tip. And it also kind of shows that you're trying to, you know, like you said, keep people in the loop. And, you know, because everyone's human, they have their own concerns. And that kind of leads mm-hmm. me to my next question. As a manager, you you are vulnerable in your own way, as are your um, direct reports and your employees. Yes. So why is it important to show vulnerability as a leader? And um, how do you go about doing that? And when is it appropriate to do that? As a leader, we we're still human. Mm-hmm. So we are not perfect. We, are, we have some strengths and we have some areas that we can improve. Our employees want to know that. Now, there's appropriate ways to be vulnerable and there's others that are not, right? I mean, if you're a leader, you don't want to go into the workplace and talk about your personal life and what's going on in your marriage. That's not the vulnerability I'm talking about. But you do want to let them know, hey, you know, I don't know everything about this project. So why don't you let me know what you know so that I can become smarter? One of the most successful leaders are those that surround themselves with really smart people. Mm-hmm. Not that they're not smart, but nobody can be smart on everything, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there's actually research on the importance of collective intelligence and how no matter how smart one person is, 
is not as strong as collective intelligence, the intelligence of a group of people. Right. Because you can only be an expert in so many things before you become a generalist. Exactly. So we've talked a lot about, you know, how leaders can build this trust, whether they're, you know, a new leader or they're um, an experienced leader and they're coming into a new role. But how do you go about maintaining that trust after you've been with a team for a certain amount of time? Listening to what they have to say and always being there for them. What is it that they need from you as a leader? For example, when you're, when you're in a team, there's stages that teams go through. And so as a leader, they're going to need you to be there for them through those stages to help them feel secure and really knowing that you care and you have their best interest. That's what's going to help you maintain that trust. Right. And you kind of said that you need to be there for them. Do you mean both on like a professional level, but also on a personal level? On a professional level and yes, in a personal level, but, but have your limits in that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't want to get too, too deep in the personal stuff. Okay. So it, it will have to be situational and then know when it's a time to get in and, and get involved and be there for them, but not too, too involved where, where you're being a friend and not necessarily a, a leader. A, a boss. Exactly. Yes. Now, we are kind of running short on time today, and I just wanted to give you the floor at the end here to share any final pieces of advice with our leaders uh, about how to build trust and also how to maintain that throughout their careers. I would just say that don't be afraid to ask your team, what do they expect from you? There's nothing wrong with you asking that. And then, you know, letting them know what you expect from them and holding them accountable. And I want to go back to conflict again, because it's one of the biggest struggles that I see leaders uh, having throughout the organization, even when they get to be CEOs, that you have to address conflict. You cannot be afraid of conflict. Conflict comes with the territory. And so the sooner that you address it, the easier it is. Well, there you have it, everyone. And unfortunately, that's all the time that we have today on Management Decisions. So I want to thank you, Sandra, for joining us and sharing your expert advice. We do appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. To find more employment-related shows, head over to ljnradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, send me an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com or send us a tweet at the LJN. And once again, I'm Katie Chesney with LJN Radio, and I'll see you next time.